but James chapter 3, begin reading verse number 13. This morning I want to speak to you on this subject, the principal thing. The principal thing. James chapter 3, verse 13. Won't you stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. When James chapter 3, begin to read in verse 13, the Bible says these words, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing <clears throat> are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you'll speak to us this morning uh, through the words uh, that, Lord, through your precious Holy Spirit, you inspired James to write uh, over 2,000 years ago. And God, I pray that the time-transcending truths will challenge us today. And Father, pray that as we come to a time of invitation, as your Holy Spirit makes application to our heart and draws us into your will, each of us will respond to what you call us to do today. For the one that's never been saved, we pray they'll repent and they'll choose Christ to be Lord of their life. God, I pray for a brother and sister in Christ who's living their life by worldly wisdom. And Lord, they have no peace. Uh, there's only confusion that rules and reigns in their life. God, I pray they'll recognize that this morning and they'll repent. Lord, we'll all leave with a commitment uh, to live our lives by the wisdom that is only found through a personal relationship with you, the study of your word, and obedience to it. And God, we'll challenge others that we see who are just living lives of just utter turmoil to surrender their life to Christ and to the lordship of his word over it. Bless this time. Be honored and glorified through what is said and done. And through our response and the invitation, it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. You know, a lot of the, the theme of our music this morning was certainly about heaven, uh, but also challenged to, to, to have a desire to live a life that finishes well, to hear Christ say, well done. And friend, I want to remind you one of the truths of Scripture is this. One, you must be born again. But two, as a child of God, you hear me this morning. If your life is not marked by obedience to the word of God, you will not hear, well done, uh, thou good and faithful servant. You just, you won't hear it. At the judgment seat of Christ, there'll be great weeping by you because of all the missed opportunities you had. And what it comes down to is this. You lived your life by worldly wisdom and not by godly wisdom. Remember that the book of James uh, challenges believers to, to continue on to spiritual maturity. To, to keep growing in Christ, to get off the milk of the Word and to get on to the meat of the Word, to begin to, to grow and to develop, to seize all of those opportunities that Christ has saved us uh, and made available uh, through His abundant life. In the last part of chapter 3 where we're at, James deals with wisdom. And, and wisdom is very important in the life of a believer. Uh, Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 3, you can... Just write these verses down in the corner of your Bible or you can 
turn there quickly if you desire to, but you can just listen. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13 says, Happy is the man uh, who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Uh, because biblical wisdom, listen, her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things that you may desire cannot compare with her. Well, who's her? Godly wisdom. Length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. Again, who is her? Biblical wisdom that can only be found from God and from his word. Listen to what he writes in Proverbs chapter 4. It says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. Now listen, this is Solomon speaking of his father. He's talking about David. He says, When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, that's Bathsheba, he taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Listen to verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Speaking about wisdom. And she will preserve you. Love her. And she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all your understanding, get understanding. Now, James is going to share, share with us this morning. There's two types of wisdom. There's worldly wisdom, and then there's godly wisdom. And in each of those, he's going to share uh, the father of that wisdom, the function of that wisdom, and then the fruit of that wisdom. First off this morning, I want you, I want you to notice what James has to say about the world's wisdom. The world's wisdom. First off, let's look at the father of that kind of wisdom. Look at verse 15. This wisdom, speaking about worldly wisdom, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. So there's three things that he speaks of. First off, it's not from God. So it, it has no part of God in it whatsoever. It's earthly. Uh, that is, it's worldly in nature. No influence from the Word of God. And it's certainly not hard to look around our government and our world to see that the, the, way, the operating system is completely contrary from the Word of God. And friend, I want to remind you that our forefathers desired greatly that the government would never tell the church how to operate, but it was always their desire that the church would have influence over government. That God's Word would be the bedrock for how our nation lived and operated and would be a sole authority to say what is right and what is wrong and what is of God. But worldly wisdom, it's absent from the mind of God. Not only that, but it's sensual. It's based on the senses. You know, I feel this. I feel I should do this. Uh, I've, just, I've got this feeling in my gut. Well, you know, you, you probably ate something. Uh, it has nothing to do with the, le the leadership of God. But you hear people say that so often. You know, I feel I want to do this in my heart. And that will emotionalize it. I feel I just want to do this. Well, that's not biblical wisdom because biblical wisdom is not based on feeling. It's based on truth. And so he says, first off, it's earthly, it's sensual, it's based on the senses, the flesh, what I feel, lust of the, uh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. 
But then James just bottom lines it. Look at the latter part of verse 15. He says it's demonic. That's the father. He says it comes straight from the devil. So it's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. It's summed up in this mantra that you hear people say, I want it, I feel I should have it, therefore I'm going to get it. Just going to get it. I, 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 I want it, I feel I deserve it, I should have it, and I'm going to get it. And friend, I see people make spiritual decisions and, and decisions in the life of the church and their personal ministry based on that. You know, I, I want this, I want to do this. Well, I feel I should have this. I feel I should be able to do this. Therefore, because of that, I'm going to do it. And if it blows everything up, including my life and testimony, so be it. That's not godly wisdom. That's, that's worldly wisdom. Lives, families, church families, marriages are absolutely destroyed by that type of mission statement. The world's wisdom, it accomplishes much. Don't misunderstand that. Worldly wisdom accomplishes a great deal of things, but they do nothing of eternal value whatsoever. So that's, that's the Father. Notice what worldly wisdom functions through. Look at verse 14. But if you have bitter envy, uh, that's a sin against the goodness of God. That means you're consumed with more. Now listen to me. Tonight we're going to be in the book of Joshua. And we're going to be looking as Joshua begins to review past victories. And God begins to challenge Joshua that you've got land that hasn't been accomplished yet. We're going to see Caleb say, look, I'm 85 years old, 45 years I've been serving God. Mount Hebron hasn't been taken. Give me this mountain. Caleb had a, a spiritual appetite. He was never satisfied. So hear me. There's this fine line between not being grateful for what God has given you and also this, this, this desire to, to never be satisfied and always want more. It's a fine line. And really what it's bound up in is this. Are you spiritually complacent or not? But worldly wisdom, is, it's, it's about bitter envy. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with spiritual accomplishments for the Lord. What Joshua was going to accomplish. What Caleb wanted to accomplish. The Apostle Paul moving to the next area that didn't know the gospel and didn't know Christ so that the church could be planned. It wasn't because Paul was never satisfied. It's because Paul wanted one more victory for Jesus Christ. It wasn't a personal victory. It was a victory for the Lord. This type of worldly wisdom is bitter envy. You finally get this house, you're not satisfied with it. You, want, you just redid it, you want to redo it again. You get this vehicle, you want another one. You get this accomplishment, you, you want this. You worked all these years to finally get to retirement, now you're not satisfied with that. You want the, the, you're always chasing another victory because really it's not about God's glory and for the benefit of others, it's always focused on you. And so it works through bitter envy. Not only that, verse 14 says, it works through self-seeking. Uh, that's, that's strife. That means I'm always promoting me. Because really, life's about me. It's all about me. That's worldly wisdom. Love you. And friend, you can go down to the Bible bookstore and you can determine most of the time from just the, 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 the titles of the books. And my friend, you can look at a lot of church websites and you can see what they promote just by the title of the sermons. All about me. All about you. Well, friend, I want to remind you, ministry has nothing to do with me. It's all about Jesus Christ, and it's all about others. And when you have that mindset, then ministry will be about me. Because, see, I'm not focused on me. I'm focused on Christ, and I'm focused on you. And you're focused on Jesus, and you're focused on others, and that others includes 
me. And so we're always meeting the needs of others. And in so doing, others are meeting our needs. But worldly wisdom, no. It's always self-seeking. What's the majority of what church splits and fights and blow-ups? I mean, just absolute spiritual cannonballs in the middle of a business meeting. What are the majority of the time they're about? It's not about standing for the truth of the Word of God and what's right and what's wrong. It's always about me. It's about me. Just absolute, utter selfishness, self-seeking. But but what else is, he says it's marked by boasting. I want all these things so I can, is that not what the majority of uh, social media is about? Social media can be a great thing to promote a business, to promote a church for, for the furtherance of things. The majority of social media, it's all about me. Put all this junk on there that really nobody gives a rip about. And most of it's a lie. You're just, you're just adding to things. And it's all promote me so you can get some little like. Friend, listen. Find your satisfaction in life with who you are in Jesus Christ. And quit living for likes. Quit trying to please everybody and please Christ. And you'll find, friend, your sufficiency in life. Because all the people you're trying to please, they're going to let you down. But Jesus, he never will. He never will. And so it's marked by boasting. And it's also, it's marked by a lie against the truth. Because it, it's, it's not true. You really don't want these things for the reason that you're saying them. It's, it's boasting. It's built in with, with lies that are intermingled within it. And so those are the functions. Bitter envy, self-seeking, boasting. And lying against the truth. Well, what's the fruit? You put all those things together and what does it grow? Look at verse number 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. You see, the function determines the fruit. And where these things exist, there's confusion. Absolute, utter confusion. Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And in verse number 33, he was writing to the church at Corinth who was just, that's not the church that you want to emulate. So gifted, but everybody was focused on themselves. It was all about them. And you remember there were a lot of people standing up, they had the gift of speaking in tongues. Now listen, the gift of speaking in tongues existed then. But it wasn't some gibberish. It didn't sound like somebody revving up a chainsaw It was somebody speaking the gospel in a known language that somebody else might be able to understand. Now, I'll give you an example. You look at the beginning of uh, the book of Acts. When when the early church began to speak in tongues, it was known tongues. If there was somebody there who would have been there from Brazil, all of a sudden I would be sharing the gospel in my mind. I'm just speaking English. I'm just saying, you know, God, Christ died for you because all are sinners. And I'm speaking English, but coming out of my mouth is Portuguese. I'm not even thinking about it. It's just, it's just happening. Well, people had this gift, but they began to operate this gift in the life of the local church. But it was to promote themselves. So everybody would look at them. And Paul was admonishing this church and chastising them, saying, Listen, God's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. Things are to be done in decency and in order. And so, friend, listen, where there is confusion, God's not in the midst of it. And if your life is just an absolute hairball, 
I mean, just an utter mess for all the boys. A box of treble hooks that you dumped out on the ground. I mean, just a mess. Friend, Jesus isn't Lord of your life. That doesn't mean when Christ is Lord of your life, you hear me this morning, that your life is going to be void of challenge and hardship. But if Christ rules and reigns, friend, there's going to be peace. There's not going to be confusion. So really, that's not what people want to hear when somebody comes to you and their life is just all a mess. You really begin to ask them, have you ever been saved? What's that got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it. If they've been saved, well, what'd you do your quiet time on this morning? What's that got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it. Because if you're not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not going to have peace that passes all understanding. See, you're operating your life by worldly wisdom. Because where worldly wisdom exists, the Bible says where envy, self-seeking exists, there's confusion in every evil thing or there. So just, just, you just have to walk it backwards. If your marriage is just full of confusion and every evil thing, that's because you're not living for each other. The husband, you're not loving your wife as Christ loved the church. And ma'am, you're not submitting to the, the leadership of the, your husband that God placed in your life and you chose to marry. And so when we come to a place in our life that there's just utter confusion, we really got to stop and ask some questions. What's going on in my life spiritually? Because where worldly wisdom exists, there'll be confusion. Persons, families, a local church, living in the power of the flesh, not guided by the Word of God, friend, that is a breeding ground for every evil work. Well, we've looked at worldly wisdom. Let's look now at God's wisdom. Well, kind of answers itself. Who's the father of that? Look at verse number 17, what James has to say. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's, it's God's wisdom. It doesn't come from the devil. It comes from God. He's the, he's the father of that. James chapter 1 and verse number 17 uh, says this, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So where does godly wisdom come from? It, it comes from God. I want you to hear me this morning. How can you be a partaker of that kind of wisdom? Well, first off, you must be born again. It's not about joining the church. It's not about you know, growing up in the church, you know, being drugged through the church. You, know, you get... Drug through the dirt, you know, you get dirt all over you. I think a lot of people think, you know, we just drag our kids through the church. Well, they, I raised my kids in church, so were they born again? Have they been born again? Jesus said, John chapter 3, verse 7, you, what? Must be born again. Not a choice, man. you must be born again. You can't begin to know the mind of God and experience spiritual things, 1 Corinthians 2.14, until you have a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why so many people show up to churches each week just so dissatisfied. They don't, listen, they sit and wonder, why, why would people get so excited to hear a sister stand up and sing about the greatest thing that they want is to hear Jesus say, well done. What, what, is, what does that mean? It's because you've never been born again. 
You know what? For somebody to get excited about, man, I'm on the winning side. I'm on the winning side. I've experienced amazing grace. I mean, there's going to be a jubilee in heaven to, to, to think of all these things and to get excited about it. Somebody should have never been saved for that. I don't understand all this. Friend, you can understand because spiritually you're dead. You're dead. But when you're born again, that is, you turn from sin, you trust Jesus to be Lord of your life, all of a sudden the Spirit of God begins to live in your heart and the Spirit of God bears witness to biblical truth. And you're like, man, I can identify with that. And all of a sudden, friend, it's not just based on feeling. It's based on fact. And all, you, you just, you get it. Before you didn't get it, now you do get it. Why? Because you've got spiritual life. So I'm telling you, you can't begin to operate your life through, I don't care how many books you read, how many courses you go to, you're never going to get it until something lives in you that lets you get it, and it's the Spirit of God. It's all dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I'm telling you, I've, it took me so many years to figure out this truth. Why do so many people seem so miserable in truth and like they just don't get it? You don't know why? Because they are miserable and they don't get it. Because they've never been born again. So that's the first step. You've got to have your own personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And then secondly, you've got to read the Word. You can't appropriate in your life what you don't know. I don't care what the, what the task is in life that has been determined through wisdom, that it has to be done in this manner. Just getting in your car and going home. You, your car was designed in certain ways. Now they're not all just here on the, 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 the column, steering column anymore. Some have got buttons that turn. Some have got push buttons. You've, you've got to know, you've got to read the manual of how the car was designed so that you can operate it that way. Listen to me, my friend. You've got to read the manual. So you can operate your life the way God designed you to operate. The peace that you have in your life will never rise above the time that you spend in God's Word. You've got to study. So I just, I just don't read well. You're not trusting God. Thanks be to God, the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you can read God's Word. You can do it, and you can understand it because the Holy Spirit will help you. So be saved, read God's Word, and then third, you have to ask God to give you wisdom. Look over one page to James chapter 1 and verse number 5. The Bible says, if any of you... I love verses like this because uncommitted people, they're so prone to make all these excuses, and I love that God just shuts people up. Look at verse number 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, friend, that's bottom line in the issue. You want biblical wisdom? You want peace in your life, not confusion? Get saved. Get the word in you. Know it. Stow it. Show it. Sow it. Then pray and ask God to give you biblical wisdom, friend, and he'll give it to you. So it comes down to this. 
If you don't have it, it's because you're failing in one of those three. Because God is the father of it. Just mark down in the corner of your Bible there, Second Chronicles chapter 10, verses 11 through 13. That's what Solomon prayed for. And God gave it to him. Because it was all, listen, in the Old Testament, it's all about the what, church? It's about the covenant. And God was going to do something, Matthew 1, through the line of David. And so he gave Solomon what he needed. He didn't operate by it, but he prayed for it, and he got it. So that's the father, but notice the function of godly wisdom. If it's from God, it's going to function differently than worldly wisdom, friend. And that's, can I just share with you, that's the reason a lot of your lost friends or your fence-riding, quote-unquote, Christian friends don't like to be around you if you're all in. Because you don't operate by the same manual that they do. Because you can't mix spirit and flesh together. Notice, notice the function. First off, look in verse number 13. It says, who is wise in understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. So the first function is it's, it, it's, it's, it's through meekness. That's power under God's control. That is, you've yielded yourself. You've got power to buck and to, to disobey if you choose. But you have chosen to yield yourself to the word and will of God and to the godly wisdom. So that's it. You've, you've yielded. Listen, have you ever, you ever seen those big oxen that are in that yoke? I mean, friend, just big old necks and strong shoulders, and they're pulling that plow through the field. Well, they could break free out of that yoke anytime they wanted to. But they've yielded themselves to the direction of the farmer that's behind them. And that's what we do. When we, when we take the yoke of Christ upon us, we yoke ourselves to him, and we submit to his will and his way. It's, it's marked by weakness. It's, it's controlled by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, it not, in function, not only is there meekness, but, but it's marked by pureness. Look at verse 17. But the, but the wisdom of God that is from above is first pure. It's marked by holiness. And if holiness is a word you know, that scares you and repels you. And the first thing that comes in your mind when you hear holiness is, oh, legalism, legalism, legalistic, then you're not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because when you've surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you want your life to be holy. Because Jesus said, be holy, for I am holy. You want Romans 8, 29 to be a reality every single day that you look less like you and more like Jesus. You're conformed into his image. And, and so it's, it's, this is victory over sin and over sin's strongholds in your life. Your, your life is marked by pureness. Not only that, this kind of wisdom is peaceable, the Bible says in verse number 17. This is wisdom that leads to peace. If a life is pure and devoted to Christ, listen, you're going to have, Philippians 4, 17, you're going to have uh, 417, that the peace of God that passes all understanding. Doesn't mean you're going to have an absence of hardship, but when challenges come into your life, when difficulties come into your marriage, and I tell all of our young couples when we're doing premarital counseling, church family, I, I think I can probably get a little bit of an amen on this. Marriage is work. Somebody say, it's work. Every day it's work. Love is a choice. It's, it's about a daily choice to, to commit 
oneself to, to, the, to, the, to the spouse that you've married and to love them in spite of them. Thank God they're loving you in spite of you. But, but to experience that, to experience that peace that passes all understanding when challenges and hardships come into every relationship that we have, you have to have biblical wisdom that comes from God because He helps us navigate through those challenges and hardships. And the reason we've got peace is because we know He's at the helm of the ship. He's going to guide and lead us. Water's going to get in your boat. But friend, I'm telling you, Jesus better be in your boat with you. And when He is... Your life will be marked by peace. But you can't have peace, friend, if you're not surrendered to his lordship. Fourth, it's marked by gentleness, verse 17 says. This means not deliberately starting conflict. Biblical, when your life is girded and guided by biblical wisdom, you're not going to be a pot stirrer. It's not going to be your goal to be a spiritual terrorist. You're not going to be one of these little parking lot monkeys or ninjas that just goes from car to car. Hey, did you hear? Have you heard? In our church history, we've had some parking lot ninjas. Just always try. And it, listen, if, if God gets the fire put out, they want to start it back up. That's not biblical wisdom. Friend, when, when, when your life is marked by biblical wisdom, you, 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 want, to, you want to be peaceable and you want to be gentle. You know that there are hills on which to die. And you need to understand that. There are some hills in the life of the church that are worth dying on. Apostle Paul died on lots of hills. There are always fights to take a stand for where the Word of God speaks. But where the Word of God is silent, it's open to debate. It's knowing when to fight and when not to. Uh, and, and, and if we do have to fight, it's being, it's, we're disagreeing without being disagreeable. Ministry's never personal. It's never about me. If it's about you, whatever your issue is, if it's about you, probably was bound up in flesh to begin with. Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through the remainder of the chapter, Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement over John Mark, and they, they come to a place of great contention. But Paul didn't get church hurt and quit ministry. He didn't have to send a committee out to go find Barnabas. Where's Barnabas? He's got his lip pooched out. He's quit serving God. No, they just didn't do ministry together anymore. When they saw each other at a funeral, they didn't go separate ways and not look. We later see them working together in the last moments of Paul's life. He calls for John Mark and says, bring him for he's profitable to me. And so they knew what heals to die on, but when they were dying on them, they were peaceable. Why? Because it's all about the furtherance of the gospel and discipling others. Biblical wisdom, godly wisdom, is marked by gentleness. Not only that, but it's marked by, 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 by a heart that's willing to yield, verse 17 says. Now listen, not a heart that tolerates sin. Well, that's just the way they are, and so that's what will... No. Right is right, my friend, and wrong is wrong. Don't you listen to me. Hear me, church family. One of the things that I think has helped destroy the effectiveness of churches here in the South is we have elevated personal preference online with the commands of God's Word. And so the way we want to do things in ministry, 
We raise that right up with the commands of Scripture. And friend, let, let me tell you something. Your preference is not, from God's, it's not always from God's Word. It may be. I mean, I prefer things that God's Word says is right and wrong. That's what I prefer. But there's some things that I prefer in life. God's Word is silent over. But I can't make those preferences level with the Word of God because Jesus says at that point, I've just become a Pharisee because those are the traditions of men. So not only do we have to know what heals to die on, there's reverse truth. Listen, we have to know what heals we don't need to die on. Biblical wisdom says when God's word is silent, I should be silent. And just say, well, that's just preference. We know what heals that are not worth dying on. Number six, uh, biblical wisdom, godly wisdom, it's, it's full of mercy, verse 17 says. That that's word that's used there, full of mercy. It's the same word that's used in John chapter 21 and verse number 11 when Jesus reveals himself to Peter after Peter said, I go fishing. I've shared many times that used to be, that was one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. I go fishing. I, Amen. Me too, brother. It's a sad verse. Christ has died and Peter says, well, he's dead. I'm going back to fishing. Guess I'll go back to what I was doing before. And Jesus finds him doing what he was doing before. And you remember there was a, a great catch that they made. And the Bible says that Peter went and began to help pull in the net that was full, ready to break, full of fish. Well, the Bible says we're not to have just a little bit of mercy. When our lives are guarded by biblical, guided by biblical godly wisdom, we're going to be full of mercy. Remember, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. We're going to be full of mercy toward people. We want, we want people to be saved. We want people to grow. No matter what they've done to us, no matter how they've hurt us. And in ministry, when somebody's done something to us, we want to forgive them. And remember, hear me this morning, hear me. Forgiveness is not approval. If someone has hurt you, you can forgive them, but in that forgiveness, it doesn't mean you have to prove of what they did to you. But you can show mercy to them. Why? Because God showed mercy to you. You hear me? When in your heart you are unwilling to forgive someone, they own you. They own you. They rent space right up here in your head 24 hours a day. You even have conversations. Somebody say, you don't think I've been reading your mail. You, you drive down the road and you have imaginary conversations with what you're going to tell that person if you ever get to tell them. You practice just exactly what you've got your talking points already. Somebody knows I'm telling the truth this morning. You practice just exactly what you're going to tell them if you ever get the chance to tell them. Friend, listen. Give it to God. Let it go. Show mercy. And you're not going to be owned by them. But not only that, friend, is it, is it full of mercy? It's full of good fruits, verse 17. Look back at verse 13. He asked the question, you know, who is wise? You almost hear James getting a group of disciples here. Hey, everybody, I want to ask you a question. Who's wise? Who has understanding? Everybody says, oh, me, 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 I do, I do. And so James says, continue to look first thing. Well, no, don't just tell me, show me. Show me you do. Don't just tell me if your life is really 
guided and grounded in godly biblical wisdom, you're going to show it. There's going to be, there's going to be evidence. There's going to be fruit. Good works, there'll be evidence. But not only that, it, it's going to be marked by uh, being without partiality, verse 17. Remember, James spent 13 verses in James chapter 2 trying to, to challenge believers as we grow. Don't look at people the way the world sees them. The way the world sees people is, what can they do for me? We're to look at people the way Christ looks at them. What can I do for them? This is a soul for whom Christ died. How can I be a blessing to this person? Well, if they're lost, I can share the gospel with them. If they've just been saved, I can try to disciple them. And if they're already being discipled by someone else, then I can encourage them. Hmm, that sounds like reach, teach, and encourage. I can just be faithful to live out the Great Commission every day and to do it without partiality. And nine, we can do it without, verse 17 says, without hypocrisy. Listen to me. It has to be genuine. You can't just know these things. Well, well, these are the things you're supposed to do to look like a real Christian. These are the things that are supposed to be there, you know, if you've got uh, real biblical wisdom in your life. So I'll try to do these things. No, friend, it's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. If your life is really guided by biblical wisdom, it's going to be because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You're reading God's Word. Your life is surrendered, and you are committed to obey God's Word at all times. And listen, friend, the overflow is going to be all of these fruits. It's just going to, it's going to be there. They're going to function that way. Well, what's the fruit? Look at verse 18. Now, the what's the word? Look at verse 18. Some of you have already checked out. into what this, We're talking about food. This all brings some of you back into it. Verse 18. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Where there's an absence of confusion, where there's an absence of evil works, verse 16, that means the operating system is biblical wisdom. And so where, where, where that's happening, it's going to be marked by peace. Verse 18. Not confusion, but peace. And it's peace, Paul says in Philippians 4, that passes all understanding. And so here's the process. When you obey righteousness, when you obey the Word of God, when you obey wisdom, biblical wisdom, when you do that, you sow righteousness. That is, your, your life is a living example of the Word of God. You sow righteousness. So you obey the Word of God, you obey biblical wisdom, you sow righteousness. Well, if you sow something, later you're going to reap something. What do you do? You reap the peace of God. Do you see that? Amen. When you obey biblical wisdom, the natural thing is, friend, you, you're not going to have a hoe or a tiller near, near you. You're not going to have a shovel. But spiritually, when you obey biblical wisdom, you sow righteousness. And friend, in time, you're going to reap peace. It's just going to be there. doesn't mean there's going to be an absence of conflict, but it means in the midst of conflict, you're going to have the peace of God, Philippians 4.17, that passes all understanding. Now, 1 Corinthians 14.33 again says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as is in all the churches of the saints. What's he saying? 
this should be a normal thing in the life of every believer whose life is operating by biblical wisdom. What? There shouldn't be confusion. There should be peace. Well, what's the reverse truth? If there's not peace, something's wrong. Well, what's wrong? Well, first off, it could be you've never been born again. And you need to repent of your sin. Trust Christ to be Lord of your life. Believe Christ died for you. Believe he rose again. Listen, give your life to Jesus Christ as you turn from sin. Then the Spirit of God's going to come live within your heart. We say, I've done that. Well, if your personal life, your family, your marriage, is just, it's marked by confusion. I mean, just Utter being torn apart all the time. Your mind is an absolute wreck. You're not able to function through these hardships. The boat, water's getting in your boat on the sea of life, and you've just got utter, utter confusion. What's happening? What's going? What's God trying to do? What's God trying to tell me? Friend, it could be you've got unrepented sin in your life. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, God won't hear me. We shared from the book of Proverbs. God says, if, if I disregard God's law, even my prayer is an abomination to God. He doesn't want to hear me pray until I repent of my sin. And I begin to obey Him. Isaiah 59, verse 2. Sin separates us from God. Could be you've got unrepented sin. Not just sins of commission, but sins of maybe things you're not doing you're supposed to be doing as a believer. You need to let the Holy Spirit get his flashlight out and shine into your heart and say, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. When you begin to deal with that, then you'll have some peace. Or it could just be, you said, no, I'm, I've prayed, I've confessed. Listen to me, friend. Until you begin to obey the Word of God, which reveals biblical, godly wisdom. And hear me. And push away from the world's standard operating procedure. Well, this is the way everybody else does it. Who cares what everybody else does? What does Jesus do? What has God's word said that I'm to do? And when you begin to operate that way, friend, the Bible promises there will be a presence of peace. So really the question kind of to ask today is this. Two words, listen. Confusion or peace. Look at me. Confusion, peace. Which of those words really describe my spiritual life today? Confusion or peace? Which of these two words really describe my marriage? Confusion or peace? Which of these words describe my family's life? I don't mean, friend, there's not spilt milk from time to time because we're all going to have that. Somebody say, Amen. I'm talking about continual confusion or peace that passes all understanding, which really defines your family. What it comes down to is this, friend. If you're operating any of those relationships, you, your marriage, your family, friend, as a church family, if we try to operate by worldly wisdom, there will be not, not be peace. But praise be to God when we operate by God's wisdom there will always be a presence of peace. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never trusted the Lord to be Lord of your life, I encourage you to do it today. Don't you listen to me. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to be religious. 
I'm telling you to make the greatest decision that you can ever make in your life. And I want to remind you, friend, that what you do with this decision determines where you're going to spend eternity. If there's never been a moment that you've repented of your sin and you trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life, I encourage you to do that today. It's the greatest thing that you'll ever do. He loves you. He died for you on the cross because the wages of sin is death. He took the penalty that we should take in our own body upon himself. And he wants to save you if you'll only turn and trust him today. Just tell him so right now. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Tell him so right now in the simple prayer of faith where you sit. Pray just like this. God, forgive me of my sin. I am, I am so tired and so sick and tired of having confusion reign in my life. I'm tired of this feeling. I, I'm, I'm tired of this reality. I want to change. And I believe that you're the only one that can bring it. So I turn from all my sin today. I'm letting go. I'm not going to run my life anymore. I'm going to give my life to you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I place my life at your feet. Forgive me of sin. Save me from it today. That's my prayer. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you prayed that, you meant it. I'm going to stand here at the front in just a moment. Won't you step out into one of these aisles and make your way forward so I can encourage you in what God wants to do next now that you have a saving personal relationship with Him. Listen, church family. Confusion or peace? Which describes your life? Don't leave that way today as a child of God. Leave with the peace that passes all understanding, ruling and reigning in your life. Stop operating by the world's system of wisdom and start operating by biblical wisdom. Father, you challenge your church. You know wherever need is. God, you see into hearts, you see into lives, you see into marriages, you see into families today. And God, you see into this church family. Father, I pray where we are found lacking in any place, your spirit will challenge and convict and we will yield ourselves to the call of the spirit today. I pray each of us will leave today, God, with lives that are living in you and are marked by peace that passes all understanding because our lives are undergirded and operated through biblical, godly wisdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet. Heads